So welcome. Uh, any visitors here this morning to Hillside Church for the first time? Good, we can relax. Anyone here for the second time? Anyone not sure if they're here or they're not? <laughs> oh no, you're here. Is that the second time, madam? Welcome again. I'm glad you came back. That's a good sign. It's going to be a little bit different today because we have come off a camp and we've called it sort of two camps because there was a home guard here. Now, I don't know what you did to the church, but um, very irreverent, putting food in the middle and ch- turning the tables around and um, I don't know, the Lord should forgive us, but, um, but I said before I went that I was, um, I was hoping I could be omnipresent because I knew that it was going to be an absolute gold service and it actually was. I was able to listen to the recordings of the three testimonies. Uh, where's Grant? Oh, sorry, I didn't. I only caught the last bit of yours, but I guess the, the core of that was that God had given you a dream 10 years ago, eight years ago, that he would preach the gospel in Narrambeen. He got asked to do a funeral, went out there a couple of weeks ago and preached the gospel in Narrambeen. So never say never, amen. But I didn't get the full bit that you said. But I think in the end, I heard I, the last bit, I think I just got hit and run. So you went out there, you hit him and you run. So... <laughs> You didn't stop to see what damage you did, but hopefully you did a lot of damage to the kingdom of darkness, amen? Even if it's one person. But thank you to Judith and Tristan and for um, our Caramello Koala up the back there. Uh, Mark did a wonderful job. Was just, I, I honestly had a box of tears in my office and it was, it was very... I did. What did I say? A box of tears, box of tissue. Well, if you filled all the tears up, it probably would have filled the box. But, but it was really heartfelt and, and that was the idea of it, obviously. So... Um, so just a quick testimony about the camps and testimony, uh, certainly at Bustledon, a lot of unity, a lot of connection, a lot of intimacy, a lot of gifts being used and identified. I know I'm going quick, Dorothy. We've got a bit to get through. Dorothy's my quickness meter, so don't worry about her today. <laughs> uh, the games we did, whilst they were very competitive, Kyla, Kyla's very competitive, it seems. <laughs> but again, that's good. If we're winning souls, we want competitive people, amen? So we're going to turn all that to winning souls and discipling people. But games force us to think. That's always good for me. I need to be forced to think sometimes, to cooperate, to compromise for the greater good, to lay aside ourselves, to be creative, to work together, to accomplish tasks, teamwork, guidance to the younger. We saw a lot of that from some of the more elderly ladies. Thank you so much. That was beautiful to see people leading uh, and encouraging. There was ministry happening organically, like in just an organic church, just happening. Multi-generational interaction, which is what our heart is for here. Amen? Amen. Openness and honesty. There was sharing of hearts, testimonies, tears, and there was vulnerability. We celebrated wins, some a little more than others, Kyla. <laughs> uh, we commiserated losses, which is probably on my end. We did have had a few, although I did have a couple of wins, but I do have to confess something here today. <laughs> I did cheat. But I did it, what, you knew? Oh, well, that's good. But I did it as an example of what not to do. It's funny how our bucket got filled up very quickly. But uh... Sorry, I can't hear you breaking up down the front there. But we delighted in the, in the, in the Lord. We delighted in the Lord. That was a message, a short message, well, reasonably long message Saturday morning. But um, we delighted ourselves in the Lord and dwelled in the land together. It was beautiful. On a backdrop, there was just... If, you don't, if people don't believe in God, take them to bustle into that foreshore and have a look. Amen? Just have a look and just think. It was unbelievable, Jared. Thank you very much. Unbelievable it was indeed. We also delighted in food. As you did here at home church, at home camp. 
But there was some apple crumble for Marnie Kay, some chat potatoes from the lovely uh, servants that she'll remain nameless down the back. Um, and one of the keys I had was some Korean garlic bread. I don't think the young lady's here today. That was sensational. And the coffee van. Real good. And lovely people who donated money for camp, provided food, paid for food. Thank you so much. You know who you are. Thank you. And the home guard home base, I just asked Kay to give a quick word in, in a nutshell. And her words were that it was raw and real honesty came out of those testimonies. It was grassroots Christianity. And that Jesus operates in the valleys, but also in the mountaintops of our lives. Amen? And for me, with the testimonies, they just invited us into those people's lives. They created empathy and understanding and real love for people, real love for each other. As we get to know, I'll talk a bit about this in a minute, but as we get to know each other better and what, where we've been, we don't necessarily drive looking in the rear vision mirror, but someone once said life's lived going forward but understood looking back. And we can understand each other a bit better by hearing these testimonies and not making allowances, but sometimes making allowances. It's called empathy, yeah? Real love for people, connection on a deep level. I said this at camp and I've said this a few times. So I've been here for six and a half years. So many of you, I don't know. Literally, hello, how are you going? I know a few more of you deeper than others. My heart is that that is the biggest change we achieve here in the next 12 months. And God can use that, yeah? It was real and raw, I agree, created deeper unity and it just cuts through the small talk, gets to the core of things and it creates respect. So thank you, Grant, Judith, Tristan and Mark. So Judith, Tristan and Mark had, the, had, had some questions. They went away, they thought about them and they shared them. It was wonderful. So the camp scripture was Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And what we saw, and even here, is a culmination of the last six months or 12 months here at Hillside, a healthier body. Gold was brought to the surface. I'll get to that. Now, I just, I, I want to call some stuff out. I'll just, Tristan, you, you, my heart for you, mate, but what you shared was just, and all of them, there was just, just such a deep wisdom. And, um, and I, I think I said in a text to you over the weekend that God's raising you up, mate, and that's, that's obvious, but, but it's also spiritual. <clears throat> but identification of gifts and talents, as you see people do things, there's hospitality gifts. Some are really good in the kitchen. Some aren't so good. But we just, you see all that. And it's not good or bad. It's just identifying that's what you do. You go through a heap of ore to gold mine, you find the nuggets. And being built together as a spiritual house, as a family. These are all consistent messages that have come through. Like this. Saw people flourish. Had a message on flourishing. We saw axes getting sharpened. A message we had down at the camp from Kyla. Salt and light being evident, people shining their light and being salt, being influenced. Hands were laid on people. We've had these messages. The authority of the name of Jesus was used. We had a time to laugh. There was a lot of laughter, but too much sometimes when people won. <laughs> and there were tears. There was serious prayer ministry. 
and prayer, and it was just organic because the family come together, they live together, they dwelt together, yeah? And as that scripture says, uh, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And that's what we experienced. Amen. Good, good. So this morning, I just want to open in prayer. If I can, just close your eyes. Just again, keep that position of prayer. But Lord, we just pray your word comes forth. It's very simple, Lord. Very simple. And we just thank you for all you've done over the last 168 hours at Hillside Church, Lord. And for the two hours we sit here this morning, just want to give glory to you, honour to you, as those songs spoke of um, sing of what you have done, or um, you have created, you know, sorry, you have done great things. You have done great things, Lord. Our other song was by your blood and by your name. We thank you, Lord. You have done great things. You continue to do great things because you are great. Your mercy endures forever. Amen. You put that first slide up if you like. Just wanted to talk about the power of testimony reasonably briefly this morning if I can. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer or a testimony to anyone who asks you to give them the reason for the hope that you have. Hebrews 10, and I think, Dave Banana, I think you spoke about that last week. You gave that to Tristan, that word, I think. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And I would say a testimony, let us hold fast. Old sailor term, hold fast. We're in danger, you hold to the boat and you help your mate with the other hand. Mark will correct me if that's wrong, but I think that's where it comes from. Matthew 10.32, whoever acknowledges or testifies of me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And Devon, I, don't, I didn't tell you what I was preaching. You had no idea what I was doing this morning. Can we just go up with the next slide? This is the obvious one when we talk about testimony that we would go with. You quoted that this morning in your communion message. So that's a confirmation. So that's good. And I overcome him by the blood of the lamb. This is talking of the enemy or Satan. This is in Revelation 12. And by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. So whenever we talk about testimony, this is quoted often in prayer, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of the testimony. And when we look at that term, word of our testimony, we often think about telling other Christians, um, perhaps unchurched friends, about our, how we came to Christ and what that means. Yes, that's true, that's good, keep doing it. What he's done for us personally along the way, it builds our faith, the faith of other Christians, and may even get our unchurched family and friends saved i believe many are christian many of us are here because of someone's testimony amen influence it's a very they are very powerful things now i can see it like a seed planted and sometimes if you know anything about farming and seeds there's different types of seeds some are hard seeds soft seeds some need fire or some need a flood some need hot temperatures some need cold temperatures but when the conditions are right it germinates so grant going to narrabeen he might think well what, what was that about i didn't see any fruit but he might have been oh i know he did he sowed a seed and those seeds will germinate for some people at some point take heart 
so in the context of this verse, and this is in Revelation, and no matter how you understand or discern Revelation, there's a lot of people that are experts in Revelation. Wesley said, you know, be very careful. Don't just take someone's view of Revelation because you've trained in it or learnt their way. Just step back from that, please. And if you want to study, not to say not to study it, please do. I know there's some people that have got a very good understanding of it. I reckon the best part of Revelation we can study is the letters to the churches. And each one of them said, he who overcomes or they who overcome. But however you, like I say, however you understand Revelation, um, the basis is that Satan is trying to destroy God's family, God's people, yeah? He's waged war on us, it says. He's thrown out of heaven in, in, in Revelation. Now, Jesus said he saw Satan fall like lightning. So again, however you time frame that, it, it's a future thing, it's been a past thing, and it's a present thing, yeah? Reality, however you take Revelation apart. Is that right? Happy with that? But if we take a step back to first century when this was sort of written, now, again, however you, whenever you think Revelation was written, 70 to 95 AD, it does make a difference, I believe, but that's another story for another day. But the enemy isn't always obvious. So he used the Roman Empire, obviously, for, for that, to wage war. He used the Jewish religious and leaders to, to wage war on the Christians, yeah? It was pretty tough being a Christian in this day. And in quite often, a lot of the villages, if something went wrong, a natural disaster, they'd kill a few Christians because it was their fault sort of thing. That was the nature of the day. But here's the kicker. The people of God attained victory then and now and always through the blood of Christ, the word of the testimony. You can put that next one up. This is how we attain victory, the blood of Christ. It's been done. We sung about it this morning. Devin brought communion. Number one, that's what he's done. He's probably, well, he's done everything he needs to. We love it when he turns up. But he's given his son and he's poured out his spirit. Blood of Christ. It's how we overcome, by the blood of Christ. The word of our testimony. We keep reminding the heavenly realms, the powers of darkness, the word of our testimony, not just being saved, but what Jesus has done on the cross. Next step we're not going to go into today, but that we would lay our lives down. That's for another day. And in that first century, believe it or not, the Romans were actually fairly... um, well, they were fairly casual with all these different places and their religions. They were actually pretty, pretty cool about it all, to be honest. As long as you said that Caesar was Lord. So that's where the problem came for the Christians because they could not bow down to Caesar, could they? So that, that's where a lot of the opposition came from. And then from the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the religious hypocrites, as, as Jesus called them, well, they didn't want to lose control. They're still waiting for the Messiah. And for the Christians, Jesus wasn't just a casual personal devotion or a motivational figure. He was Lord of all. Yeah? Lord of the, of the political realm, which the Romans didn't want to hear that. Lord of the business realm. 
Lord of the sexual standards of the day, which the Romans obviously didn't want to hear. Lord of the family, Lord of absolutely everything. Someone once said, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And the Roman, Romans couldn't tolerate that and the religious leaders couldn't tolerate that. And nor has any other demonic entity since. Amen? Government, country, militant group, they cannot handle that. And in the satanic realm, this is confrontational, this is war. Satan's not so concerned if we just have quiet little testimonies with our friends of how good God is, just quietly under a bushel in church. He's not so worried. He gets very concerned when it goes to a bigger audience. Trust me, he was concerned on Sunday at Hillside Church. Amen? Went to a bigger audience. People that may never have spoke here to that depth. In fact, I'm probably sure they haven't. Any of them. He gets concerned about that. He's terrified. He's terrified if we hit the streets with it. God's just starting to, in my mind, for my discernment, just starting to lay out the word evangelism. And I know, Margaret, you'll be happy about that. Now everyone's going, (gasps) apart from the couple of evangelists that are going, yeah, about time. (laughs) And saying it for 10 years. (laughs) Well, let's just take a step back from that. And I've said before, the best evangelistic program we can start with here is to be a healthy body and to shine our light, yeah? So we'll just take a step back so you don't get too freaked out. So when I say take to the highways and byways, our spheres of influence, the enemy gets very concerned about that. But your testimony is your best evangelism, I would say. Your testimony, not just how you came to Christ, the things he's done along the way. And don't worry if you get fun poked at you. I remember Linda and I went to a dinner in Narrambeen, funnily enough, uh, many years ago, BC, before I was a Christian, so I'd have been so excited about going there and been able to drink as, you know, do what I did. And I forget how it happened, but you might not remember this, but um, the lady that was hosting, there was only a few of us, just work colleagues, but um, someone, I think one of the persons were a Christian, they just prayed for the food. Thank you, Lord, for providing this food today. And she mocked, they said, well, I provided the food, I did all that, you know, so don't worry if you get mocked, that happens, yeah? That's our opposition, that's our, what we have to bear with. So let's start, or indeed continue, to be encouraged in sharing testimony of what God has done. I'd love it if we could regularly have those sorts of things. And God speak, what's happened during the week. I reckon we could spend the next three hours with all of you people, just not all of you, but some getting up and just giving a testimony of what's happened. Please do that afterwards for the coffee, the tea, the picnics. Do that. Because I believe that's how the early church would have operated. They would go out, they would come and meet on a Sunday, take communion, and probably every day they were doing that, and they would talk about what was happening, yeah? It brings defeat to the enemy of our soul and an ongoing reminder to the kingdom of darkness that it is defeated in every realm. Your testimony of what God has done and how he continues to do that in your life wages war. And dare I say again, it's violent in the spirit. 
That is a very violent thing in the spirit, if you can get your head around that. It's very aggressive in the spirit. It takes back ground for the kingdom. We're at war whether we like it or not. He's waging war against us. There's a scripture that says the violent take it by force, speaking of the kingdom of heaven. You take back some ground by force, and it's not flesh and blood. It's spiritual weapons of warfare, of which I believe testimony is a key. Yeah? As is faith, hope, love. Faith, hope, and love are violent weapons in the spirit. You stand on a healing or you stand on something, that's violent in the spirit. And your testimony, they're all deadly weapons in the spiritual realm. If only we could get a grasp on this, and we will. Your testimony is full of weapons. It's just full of it. And there were such examples from Sunday. And the key theme of these three was death, loss of a husband, loss of a child, loss of a father-in-law. You think, well... What good is that? But all, all of them, there was good that came out of it to trust God. One, one quote was, God is kind, we don't need answers. That just got me, Tris. <laughs> God is good, we don't need answers. And the honesty, Mark, not knowing, thinking that God didn't know what he was doing. And God can handle that. He can handle us being in that valley. He can handle us being angry. Powerful stuff. So our testimonies, as I've said, are a key to the kingdom, a weapon of your warfare, an essential tool in your toolkit, your spiritual toolkit. Can you just put the next one up, please, Das? Thank you. As I said, the weapons we fight with, they're not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You've got divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, strongholds can be a good thing. They built them in the cities. You would run when the enemy come. You would hide for a time, protect yourself, but you can't stay in that place. I know a lot of Christians that are in a corner in their stronghold and in a defensive mode. We have authority, blood of Christ, word of our testimony. We have victory, Kent McDowell, don't we? There he is. We have victory. We're the winners. I read the book. Yeah, the end of the book. We have the victory. So strongholds in your life might be that you're in unforgiveness. It might be a stronghold you can't get out of. Someone did something to you that you don't even want to mention. I didn't, you know, terrible stuff's happened to human beings. Terrible stuff in this room. Becomes a stronghold that we don't think we can get out of or we don't want to get out of. We want to stay in that place for whatever reason. There's a whole heap of reasons. There's no condemnation. Come alongside people. As people open up, as we bring testimony, we can help. Yeah? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. This is what the enemy does. He sets up things. You only have to spend two minutes on Facebook, Instagram, watch the news. 
There's arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the kingdom of God. Yeah? It's rampant. Now, I'm not one to stand up here and say the end's near. You won't hear me saying that. But something's going to happen. And the reason I'll just share this. The reason I don't get big on, all the end's coming and it's not long now. And no condemnation if that's, that's your thing. But what I don't want to do is take the future away from Isaac. Yeah? I don't want to say, oh, it's it's nearly all over. Well, what's the point of going to uni studying if Jesus is coming back in the next couple of years? I might as well just... So that's why I do that. I just wanted to explain that today. That's why I'm a bit sort of, okay. Because, and I started writing them down once, you know, post-millennial, pre-millennial, amillennial, preterist, part-preterist, full-preterist, half-trib, this trib, that trib, half-trib, this... Now... God bless, I've watched some hours and hours of debates about all this stuff and they're all good spiritual men and women. What did Jesus say? No, he didn't even know. Anyway, I don't know why I threw that in there actually. So religion and doctrinal bondage, so religion and doctrinal bondage and religious spirits and legalism are no match against the testimony, amen? I shared a testimony, I, I had a spirit of grief leave me, I've probably told you this, a couple of years after, or um, I don't know, year after I got saved, I was full on, man. I was in the word. I was, I was born again. No doubt about it to anyone. But I hadn't grieved my father's death. I'd poked it down with drugs, alcohol, hype of stuff. Just hadn't dealt with it. It came out. Just simply, little old country church. Laid hands, a pastor laid hands, discerned a spirit of grief, told it to leave, and I went, oh, I can breathe again. Like the bottom third of my lungs was constricted. Now, we can sit here and have a theological debate whether a Christian can have a demon or not. There was some influence in my life, I say in my soul, my mind, will, emotions, part of my being, that was constricting me. I wasn't able to breathe physically. <coughs> but I didn't know it till it left, but I knew it left. So what I'm saying is that experience, that, that um, testimony trumps, you know, you can throw me some scriptures about this, that and all the rest of it. Good luck. <laughs> Serious. Now, we've got to be careful with that because we can get real wacky and get right out here, can't we? So there's got to be some balance, but it is what it is. Yep, good. And just briefly, uh, there's a story in in John 9 about the, the man that was born blind, blind from birth, yeah? Jesus comes along, here's a classic example on the Sabbath, and heals a man. What a terrible thing to do. I don't know what he was thinking. Couldn't he have waited till Sunday? Heals a man on the Sabbath, and the the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the religious people of the day were incensed. They didn't believe it, they're trying to get their head around it. Got his parents, They, they were scared of the Jews, the Pharisees. Because they, they were in danger of getting kicked out of synagogues, and he was. And we think, oh, I'd just go down, you know, if I got kicked out of this church, I'd just start my own or I'd go down the road. That wasn't like that in the Jewish culture. The synagogue was everything. Being part of that was your life. So to be kicked out of the synagogue, huge. Um, where am I up to? So now I ask the parents, I say, well, he's of age. Um, you know, ask him because they were scared. They asked him. And I just love this line. And this line has 
come through a song for, for a few hundred years that is still a classic Christian song. This guy said, who, who was this guy? Who was he? Who? He said, I don't know who he was. I was blind, but now I see. Testimony. I don't know. Work it out for yourselves, religious leaders. And they kept asking him, and he sort of got to the point, well, do you want to be his followers as well? You don't think that didn't annoy them? I was blind, but now I see that's all I know. So in my case, I don't know. I, I didn't even know I was carrying a spirit of grief, but I knew once it had gone that I'd been carrying it. And I knew why I'd been carrying it. So that's why I'm adamant at all funerals and any death, the only way you get rid of grief is to grieve. And hats off, Simon, you've done a great job, mate, at the funeral and just with your mum and just watching you operate, you've done a really good job, you and your brother, so well done, mate. We're here for you. Anything else you need, we can do. Please speak out, yeah? I believe I had a word for, for you and your dad. Just real quickly, um, I, I saw some of your dad had a bit of a punt. So he had a bit of a, you know, on the horses, he had a bit of a bet here and there. He wasn't addicted. He, wasn't, he just had a punt every now and then, as many Australians do. But to be a punter, you've got to work by the system of odds, all right? So it's odds. So if a horse has run ninth, then seventh, then fifth, then third, then second, and it's in form, it's possibly going to win. So it's all about odds. The one that's been running last for the last six months, you're not going to put your money on, on him. So I believe if your father had a bit of a Catholic upbringing as a child, yeah, or his parents were Catholic, I believe that he was told about Jesus, knew about Jesus in some way, shape or form. And I reckon in his last days, he checked the odds. And even in his own mind, he just balanced up the odds. I believe I got that the, the day of your funeral, in the shower. Don't get a picture of that. But I, I do, I'm not, I reckon that's for you, mate, all right? He studied the odds, even in his last minutes, and he said, yes, I believe. Yeah? I don't say that lightly. <laughs> and the Pharisees, that, like, they hurled their insults at this guy and said, you know, we're, we're um, what do you say, we're sons of Moses or disciples of Moses or something, and Jesus rebuked them saying, well, Moses spoke of me, Moses told of me, he prophesied of me and you haven't received me and he could take, we said in the living stones one I think, where he can take stones and make sons if he wants to. Another quick example is Luke 8, the demoniac in the tombs. Jesus said, well, he wanted to follow Jesus straight up, he got born again, he put his clothes on, praise the Lord. And he wanted, begged Jesus to go with him. He, and he was, it says, I think he was sitting at his feet. He took the position of a disciple straight up, sitting at Jesus' feet, begged him that he could go with him. Jesus said, go home or return home to your family, it said, and tell how much God has done for you. Testify. And there's secular stories that he evangelised a whole region. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but the man did go away and told all over town. Or one version says the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. That's a testimony, yeah? yeah. If you've got a... Uh, how can I put this? If you've got a man that's out of his mind, an absolute crazy demoniac that busted chains, demonic strength, <laughs> and he's at your door or down your coffee shop telling you about Jesus, you don't reckon you're going to listen? Because it's, it's from this to this. I was blind, but now I see. I was naked, but now I've got my clothes on. 
Hallelujah. That then herself would have made the town happy. Woo. John 4, the uh, woman at the well, I think it is. Um, she just went off back to Samaria, into Samaria and told all over the place that who Jesus was. So woman st- well, it says the whole town or city, I think in a version, this sounds better, the whole city believed because of her testimony. And guess what? She was a woman. Can you believe it? Yes. <laughs> Jesus just breaks moulds. Okay, let's just, again, let's not get off extreme down here, but Probably the first, one of the first female evangelists. Bang. Many believed. So as we reclaim the word of our testimony, all hell will and does break loose. This started a long time ago. It's all part of God's unfolding plan and purpose. And our very lives should be a testimony to the fact that Jesus is Lord over everything. Our light shines, yeah? Nearly done. By the word of your testimony, your own personal sword of the spirit. Think of it as that. It's the word of God. And it's how it's manifested in your life. So it's a unique. You're not making up a writing new scripture, but he's the author and perfecter of your faith or the finisher. He writes the epistle of your life, epistle of your life. And you live it and you proclaim it. So it's like the book of Devin Wynne or the book of Jared Henry or the book of whoever, book of Wayne Ernest. He writes it, you live it, you proclaim it, yeah? And as I said before, the kingdom of darkness hates it. It reminds him and his hordes that they are defeated. We have victory, Kent McDowell, amen? Amen. You have victory, church. Even if you don't feel like it, that's the truth. They don't ultimately control anything. It's all lies and deception. And we mustn't allow him to deceive us with lies and accusations. Is that the next one? Every charge he can bring against us is cancelled, nailed to the cross and overcome by the blood of the Lamb. I thought you'd be a little bit more excited about that, to be honest. Every charge he can bring against you, every guilt, shame, condemnation, you're not good. I had it this morning. What are you doing? How can you get up is cancelled, nailed to the cross, and overcome by what? All right, that's good news, yeah? Yeah. Again, it's victory. It's great testimony. GR8, great. And there's a growing number of people who give evidence to that fact. You know, there's more Christians now than there's ever been. And we talk about, I think, Kay, you mentioned... um, Lindsay, Judas' ex, or, oh, ex, husband being in the great cloud of witnesses, yeah? There's more Christians with who's on earth now and the great cloud of witnesses. We're part of this great cloud of witness in the spiritual realms, yeah? Amen. Baby Joshua, all right? It's where he is, great cloud of witnesses. Bob, it's where he is, great cloud of witnesses. Anyone you've lost in the Lord? And they're just cheering us on. And they just wish they could reach down and say, you've got the victory, walking it, running it, living it.
And just to, to finish, next slide if you like, Romans 8.28 in the Wayne, Wayne Ernest version. Romans 8.28 in the Wayne Ernest version. He turns our trials, temptations and tests into testimonies. So all these, I've made copious notes of what I heard on from here Sunday, but all of those tests, those trials, those tribulations, I didn't add that one. He turned into testimony, he turns into testimonies. Romans 8, 28 actually says, uh, all things work for good for those who love the Lord, or words to that effect, yeah? Take heart. Your testimony, your kingdom key, may very well unlock the door for someone else's freedom pathway or pathway to eternal life, yeah? yeah? It happens, we see it. That's, and then I believe that is your treasure in heaven. You know, Jesus said for the joy, or it says that joy set before him, he endured the cross. I believe that was us, our salvation. That was the joy set before him. So thank you guys for testifying. There's more to come at Hillside. I experience this at Shalom every time I go there. Testimony. They just get taught. They're disciples. They just share their testimony. It's the first thing they get to do. Get up. They've only been there a week, a day. Share a testimony. And if you ain't got curly hair, you ain't got much hair, that'll make your hair curl, some of those stories. Seriously. I never knew there was so much abuse of boys and men. Never had no idea. I knew the statistics are ridiculous for women and what you you women come against and things that have come against you. But I never had any idea about boys. But not only that, just life, drugs, alcohol, they're all doing it because they've had a trauma. Every time. Every time. There's something that's happened to them. So don't look down your nose at them. Have empathy, love them. And the more you hear these stories, ah, okay, his father abused him. Why wouldn't you use drugs? Why wouldn't you want to block that out? And quite often you're sitting there and someone's up talking about something and you can just sense a palpable sigh of relief in the crowd. Ah, I'm not the only one that's done that or thought that or experienced that. It's so powerful and that's why it works because there's a place of freedom. So bring to remembrance what the Lord, have done, Lord has done. It's like communion. Essentially we testify every time we have communion. Do this in memory of me. The devil hates us taking communion. And if you think your testimony is not very exciting as I finish up, I think I get three finishes up. I think I read that somewhere as a pastor. You can finish up three times. Um, but if you think your testimony is boring, please think again. And praise God, if you've been a Christian since day dot, if you gave your heart to the Lord at seven years of age or three or five or ten and you've been perfect all the way through, brilliant. We need people like that. We need solid foundations in the church, yeah? But we know that that's pretty rare. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Judith's not here today, is she? No. No, I won't talk out of school, but... Because quite often I remember in Mighty Men's... I am finishing, it'll be two minutes. I remember in Outbush and we'd go out to a lot of these places. Generally, most towns are sort of a Baptist or Church of Christ. They're not full-on Pentecostal type, just... And these guys would come from places like Shalom and share these stories and they'd just go, oh, well, I haven't got much of a test. These are the country people. I haven't got much of a testimony. Please don't fall into that trap. You've got something to offer. Yeah. 
We've got hundreds of years of testimonies here. Hundreds and hundreds of years. So as we get to know each other, these testimonies will naturally come out and it unlocks us all. The one giving it and the people receiving it connects us all. And it can, as I said, unlock the door for others. And it's a key, one of the keys to our defence as we saw in the first slide. It's how we overcome. Enemies in your ear say, no, I'm born again of the spirit and of water. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm seated in heavenly places. I have the mind of Christ. And I could go on. That's why I've got to know the word. So we've got these things in us. And they're an overflow. So if you don't take your Bible... Time's gone by, they just, I think the Torah, they had to memorise the first four books or something. They knew scripture. Five, is it? I'd have been five, five, I got five, thank you, Grant, I'm five here. Anyone else? No, soul. You are overcomers. You are overcomers. You can overcome. Every letter, I believe, to the Revelation churches, to him or her who overcomes. And why does the enemy, to finish on now, why does the enemy hate all this so much in this day and age at Hillside Church right here, right now? Why does he hate it? I'll tell you why. Thanks for asking. Because it brings connection. It brings unity. It brings community. It brings empathy. It brings understanding. It brings grace, love, rest, encouragement. It equips. It empowers. It brings power. Because someone else can do it, you can do it. Someone else can get past the death of their partner who's died next to them in a bed. You can do it. You don't want to do it, but... Authority. It brings an authority because you start... Builds your faith, okay? And it proclaims our victory again, Kent McDowell, amen? amen. And creates a healthier what? Creates a healthier what? What I've been talking about for 12 months here. um, Creating a healthier body. That's why the enemy hates it so much. So a finishing word which may be a um, prelude into... No, this is just... We're finished. 11.05. This may be a um, segue into another sermon soon about boldness. But Proverbs 28.1 says, The righteous, that's you, and me, are as bold as a lion. All right? The righteous, you and me, we're as bold as a lion. So we have to step out in this. We have to be bold and step out in this. Don't stress about making you evangelists. Yet. Yet. (laughs) But we all, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses, but we all witness for Jehovah. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. I'll just close in prayer, Lord. We thank you for your word today. We hope, Lord, that it's been expounded. well enough, Lord, that, um, that you will take the glory for today. We thank you for the testimony you've given us, your testimony of your life and your death and your blood and your body that was broken for us, pierced for our transgression and the punishment that has brought us peace was all laid out on you, Lord. So we thank you and we praise you for that. I pray for full boldness. I pray that we can be bold, that we can step out in the authority you died to give us, that you have handed to us, Lord, that we have delegated legal authority on the earthly realm against all that would come against us. 
And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.